Russ Kazmierzak Jr. grew up in Arizona and has been drawing comics since 2001. When he moved back here from California last year, he wondered what he would draw about. A Valley cartoonist hopes to impress people with his comic books based on Arizona politics. Amazing Arizona comics created by Russ Kazmierzak based on the headlines. Why you punish me Like a wave crashing into the shore You wash away my dreams Time Why you walk away Like a friend with someone Can you teach me about tomorrow and all the pain and sorrow running free? Cause tomorrow's just another day and I don't believe in time. Hey everybody, you're listening to Amazing Arizona Comics Radio, the podcast dedicated to my mini-comic book, Amazing Arizona Comics, a superhero satire of Arizona news, history, and culture. My name is Russ. Thanks for clicking play or for downloading this thing. I really appreciate it. It's been a long time since I've recorded an episode of Amazing Arizona Comics Radio. I've been dedicating my podcasting energies to other podcasts and projects like Stuck in Traffic, the podcast dedicated to my embittered, angry thoughts while I am stuck in traffic. A lot of people may think, Russ, you live in Phoenix, you don't know the definition of traffic. I've had friends and fans make that critique of the concept of the podcast, but I've insisted in episodes of that show that traffic can't be measured by quantity of time or quality of travel. You can be stuck in traffic for a minute, or an hour. Anything that slows your desired rate of speed and prohibits you from getting to the place you want to go at the time you want to arrive, that's traffic. If you have to swerve out of your lane because a box has fallen out of the back of somebody's truck, that's traffic. If you're at a drive-thru, just picking up a coffee or a burger or whatever, and somebody's taking their sweet time with their order, That's traffic. So I create a broad definition to accommodate a podcast that is about me stuck in traffic. So if you have this RSS feed popping up on your, uh, well, however you see feeds, or if you're visiting karaokefanboy.podbean.com, you've been seeing more episodes of that than this for sure. I think there's about a dozen episodes of Stuck in Traffic up right now. So go back and check them out. They're about 10, 15 minutes long. Not very long because, again, I'm not stuck in traffic forever. But during those 10, 15 minutes, I am certainly annoyed at the circumstances. And I rant about some traffic-related topic. Uh, Really hoping to change the world with it. So uh, check that out. I'm also the co-host of the Drawn to Comics podcast with Ken Brown, the uh, co-owner and operator of Drawn to Comics. I say co-owner because his wife, Susan is uh, the other owner. 
they share the responsibility of that business together. And uh, Ken and I sit down uh, as often as we can, usually two, three times a month, and just talk about what's going on in comics. We review new issues. We talk about topics like uh, independent comics, trying to define what truly is an indie comic. Uh, what else have we talked about? Oh, that new story recently where diversity was uh, causing a dip in Marvel's sales. Uh, so, you know, kind of the hot topics of comicdom and the industry. And I got to tell you, what I love about doing that podcast with Ken is he is a super nice, humble guy. If you know him, you love him. I don't see how you couldn't. The guy is humble to a fault, I say, as a business owner, because I think there should be some bravado <laughs> to marketing your small business. And uh, the way he's laid out his store right now, he truly is, in my humble opinion, the meltdown comics of the Phoenix area. If you know L.A. comic book stores, Meltdown has a theater in the back where they uh, host their own podcasts and have stand-up comedy nights and do different entertainment events. Ken has that space and capability and potential in his own store now, the way he's laid it out. In fact, what I'm going to talk about for the lion's share of this podcast is, a, is an event I just did there. And so it truly is a piece of the potential of the way he's laid out his store. There's a toy attic. There's a new release room with variant covers, and uh, there's an indie rack and magazine racks, in addition to, of course, action figures and comics and all the regular stuff you could find at a comic book store. So anyway, uh, Ken and I sit down and do this podcast every couple of uh, weeks or so, as often as we can. It's uh, hosted uh, via the Geek News Network. So find the Geek News Network online, or just search for Drawn to Comics Podcast in SoundCloud, and you'll find us pretty easily. We have about 12 episodes of that as well. The one I'm most proud of is the episode uh, we recorded the first day of Phoenix Comic-Con this year, Thursday night of Phoenix Comic-Con weekend. We had dinner at Marley's in downtown Phoenix, and we talked about the uh, events of the day, of course, if... If you remember, uh, there was a guy with guns and knives, and he got past security, and they had to take him down. The news story, by the time the weekend settled, was that this guy had some sort of vendetta toward the actor that plays the Green Ranger, that played the classic Green Ranger. So this, uh, this loon was targeting that guy and came in with some real weapons. And uh, Ken and I, not knowing that aspect of the story, only knowing that there had been an armed gunman and that... Uh, I guess that's a contradiction of terms. Yeah. An armed man or a gunman, right? Uh, there had been one in the Comic-Con. Ken and I talked about and speculated how cons can and should increase security, as Phoenix Comic-Con did, to combat that eventuality. Because, man, I got to tell you, when you have tens of thousands of people in one area at one time, Thankfully, nothing crazy has ever really happened at a Comic-Con up until this point. And still, because there was no incident other than this guy just being there, it's not like he fired a gun or attacked someone. Cops were quick to respond and uh, apprehend him. So there still hasn't been an incident uh, that's been crazy violent. But what should cons do to, to, to maintain that level of safety and integrity? So... Um, Ken and I talked about that, and I'm really proud of the episode. It's attached to that specific incident, but has kind of a timeless feel because Comic-Cons are only growing more and more in popularity. 
So uh, there is that. You know, also, I've been hosting my live late-night talk show, Phoenix Tonight. I should mention that. That's a monthly show. You can find it on YouTube very easily by searching Phoenix Tonight. Several episodes posted, including one with the lovely, wonderful Ann Moses, who was the editor of Tiger Beat from 1966 to 1972. She knew my beloved The Monkees, my favorite band of all time. Uh, I'm reading her memoir that was just released, and uh, some interesting, juicy uh, information about your favorite pop stars of that era, the Dave Clark Five, the Monkees, Elvis, gosh, in just the first chapter, before she's even working at Tiger Beat, and talks about how her life was touched by Walt Disney, alive, like living Walt Disney, not just the legacy or idea of Walt Disney. She met him once, and uh, Steve Martin, <laughs> kind of a crazy connection to comedian Steve Martin. Um, and I know other chapters include uh, memories with uh, Lucille Ball, Dean Martin, some of my favorite personalities of that era. So I'm really excited about that. I'm glad I got to meet her and interview her. You could find that interview on YouTube by searching for Phoenix Tonight. And go to Amazon and pick up her memoir while you're at it. Because, man, it's a great summer read. And I'm excited to be in the middle of that. But this past weekend was all about me sitting in the window of Drawn to Comics, that prestigious downtown Glendale comic book store I mentioned. And I was drawing in the window for my latest 24-hour comics challenge. I've done it three years in a row now. Uh, mission accomplished, by the way. I've completed it three years in a row. I'm sure a time will come where I don't complete it. Um, it is something of a personal challenge, uh, a marathon of sorts, an art exhibition, if you will. Um, but yeah, artists all over the country, if not the world, have attempted this thing since the 90s, I believe. Artist Scott McCloud was dared by a friend or something to draw a 24-page comic book in 24 hours, basically boiling down to an hour, a page an hour, right? And uh, other artists heard about it and, and, and decided to carry the torch themselves, give it a shot. And uh, it's been something of a tradition here in Phoenix, I know, for some time. So I decided to take it on as well and see if I can do it. Uh, two years ago, I did uh, a 24-hour comics challenge, my first, in the window of CMOD, a furniture shop in the Melrose District of downtown Phoenix, or central Phoenix. And uh, I drew in, there, in her window, uh, Cynthia Black, the owner and proprietor there, was super kind enough to let me do this thing in the window of her store. And, uh, you know, when you invite somebody like an artist to to be an exhibition, so to speak, or to do something in your place of business for 24 consecutive hours, there is a liability there because you presume for a significant amount of time the store's closed. Nobody is there, and yet there's somebody in the window attracting attention to the business, and you never know what's going to happen at like 3 in the morning. So uh, when a store owner agrees to let me do this, I certainly understand that there is a bit of risk to it. But fortunately, I've made friends here in the Valley, and they believe in this cause. And I'm especially appreciative of friends that aren't necessarily into comics like Cynthia, and they still take a risk on, on something like that. So two years later, I'm still grateful for her. Um, but yeah, I did it there. Finished uh, inside of, I think, about 23 hours. I have a 24-page comic on my hands. It's Amazing Arizona Comics number 14. In fact, available at AmazingArizonaComics.com. The next year I drew 
at Drawn to Comics, which is in downtown Glendale. It's the comic book store that Ken and Sue Brown own. And uh, they have a beautiful storefront window that is uh, like a clothing store display. It's a big boxed window that, you know, you could put like mannequins in and stuff. So, uh, and he has like a silver surfer, like a full-sized silver surfer in one of the windows and, uh, you know, cardboard stand-ups of Catwoman and Deadpool and it's awesome. And uh, I've been shopping there for, for quite a few years now. And so last year I said, you know, I'm looking for a new location to do my 24-hour comic. Ken, would you be willing to let me draw in that window? And he and Sue thought about it and they agreed to let me do it. And I don't know why June is the month I picked. Uh, I just think hot on the heels of Phoenix Comic Con, I wanted to keep my energy up. You know, summer is kind of a, a, a do or die situation for creativity. In my opinion, you can go whole hog with your with your creative energies or you could take a break as we're all kind of infused with this mentality from school that summer is like a limbo for things things don't happen as much as they do you know you're not in school but there's uh the old summer fling or summer romance or whatever so i wanted to have a fling with comics i didn't want comic con to be the end of a creative season or session or semester in my life i wanted it to be the beginning so 24 hour comics boom there it is uh every june now it's my tradition and uh ken agreed to let me do it last year i did it my brother Kyle, my producer, the guy that colors all of my uh, mini comics, Skyped in from his Connecticut home and also colored with me in real time. And so together for 24 hours, we were in this thing. Last year, I uh, picked a charity and accepted donations, hourly sponsorships. That went so well. I did it again this year. Didn't so much do the hourly sponsorship thing as much as I just did a, hey, if you want to donate to this cause, please feel free. And this year's cause was Read Better, Be Better a local nonprofit that endorses or supports and promotes literacy programs for youth. So if we're talking about comic books, we're talking about reading. If we're talking about reading, we're talking about kids reading. That's where it begins, a passion for books and literature. And for me, that started with comics. So uh, it seemed like a natural thing to collect some cash and, and donate it to this, to this cause. So I'm still kind of tallying up... Uh, what the donation will be after the printing of the book. I hope everybody understood, based on my Facebook event page, that some of the money is going to go toward the actual printing of the book, and then whatever remains is going to go toward uh, Read Better, Be Better. But it's looking like it's well over $100, $150. So we're in good shape there. And, you know, that's my, I'm collecting that and doing that. And drawing the comic is something I would do anyway. So adding that element creates a sense of meaning and significance that's beyond me, beyond my art. It creates uh, an importance and, and a connection to the community. And thankfully, gr I'm grateful that it, it also uh, it creates an urgency, I guess, for folks to come see me in the window. I had a lot of friends come visit me this year as I was drawing in the window. And it was hot, by the way. You know, Phoenix is like 113, 115 right now. Every day, we are in the throes of summer heat, and uh, I'm sitting in a glass box, which is always shaded because of the architecture of the building, and it has a vent, so there is air conditioning in the window. I'm not, uh, you know, putting myself in some James Bond-style trap of like a heat box or something, a hot box. Uh, there is circulation, there is air, but it's still warm, you know, and especially after coming from outside, 
and bringing in things and materials and all the stuff as I set up. I'm sweating. So by the time the comic started, I was already kind of like, okay, here we go. So, um, yeah, a lot of folks swung by, and I'm grateful, of course, for my friends, uh, the TG Geeks, Two Gay Geeks podcast. Find them at tggeeks.com. Great podcast, great guys. Always supportive of my work, and I'm super appreciative to them for that. Uh, fellow comic book artists like uh, Bertie Bertishaw, John Derrick West swinging by to stay high. Uh, cosplayers like Steve Rogers USA on Instagram. He stopped by. Awesome to see him. Uh, the Madsen family. John Madsen runs a Facebook group called Comic Books in the Desert. If you're a fan of comics and you live in the Southwest, join that Facebook group. It's a great group. Very friendly, positive posts about what's going on in comics and fandom and stuff like that. Oh, who else stopped by? Shante Orion and his lovely wife, a local poet. Uh, Shante Orion stopped by. You can find his work on Amazon. Shante Orion, all donating to the cause. And man, so you could hear comic book creators, poets, cosplayers. Such a rich tapestry of local creative people coming by to say hi to little old me and my brother Kyle as we're creating this thing in the window. It is truly, truly humbling. And I am so appreciative of their help, support, moral support uh, as they just pop in to say hi and, they, and, and to see what I'm doing. I enjoy doing it. I was going to say alone, but I'm telling you, my brother Kyle Skypes in. But, you know, there is kind of a tradition. And you could go on YouTube and see groups all over the country. Kyle and I listened to a video of a group out of Philadelphia making 24-hour comics several years ago. But there's always like a let's gather as a group and do this thing uh, so we can hold each other accountable, I, I suppose. That's part of me doing it in a window. I like that there is an accountability to that if people are genuinely interested to see if I'm still up to it. If I'm still cranking uh, 22 hours later, for example, they need only come to the window and find out. You know, I could do it in the privacy of my home, but there's TV, there's books, there's toys, there's bed. So the temptation to go away from the drawing desk is real. In public, it's, there's shame. Shame if I leave the drawing table. So uh, I, do, uh, I do like that. But I like doing it alone or just with my brother, you know, just... And he's work- the thing is, he's working on the thing I'm working on. So it's not like he's doing his own project. We're working on a, a singular effort. So I guess that's what I'm saying, is I really enjoy that because it creates an intimacy with the work. I mean, I could talk to fellow comic book illustrators, creators, artists, anytime I want, and we could sit down and have a drawing night or chat while we're uh, sketching or whatever the case may be. But there's something about creating a comic book intensely and alone that helps me appreciate why I'm doing this thing at all. And I got to say that even though I'm always critical of the way the story looks, my drawing, I'm not the best artist, never will be, uh, I'm really proud of this year's story. It has, it, it takes an interesting angle to my characters that I've been writing and drawing now for seven, eight years. There's an interesting element to the story. And if I'm going to have a cause like uh, read better, be better, uh, dependent or reliant on the collections I take this year, you know, I want to emphasize 
the story element, the literary aspect to it. So story is important. The story of it is important. It's not just drawing 24 pages. It's making sure that once the reader is done consuming the book, there is an actual tale to be told, not just uh, an exercise in creativity that they could appreciate. I want the book to stand almost independent of the fact that it was drawn in 24 hours. Uh, So I hope that's the vibe this particular issue uh, gives out or gives off. Um, Because, again, it was just me and the work uh, with Kyle in my ear. Or sometimes we're just sitting there, uh, you know, alone, a country apart and working on this thing. So it's it's cool, man. It's pretty special. And uh, I'm just so grateful, again, for him uh, doing that. My girlfriend, Randy, that sacrifices basically a whole weekend of quality time to let me do this thing. Uh, You know, that is no small sacrifice or feat. Uh, Any guys out there, any girls out there, you're in a relationship and you want to do something like this, you've got to make sure your partner is on board because their support is what will fuel you for 24 hours. Um, I'm saying that like I'm offering advice. So, yeah, let me just kind of give a little insight into my process here. You know, going into a 24-hour comics challenge, I always think to myself, let me get some Bristol board, let me buy some new pens and stuff. And what's interesting about the way I approach this thing is I always draw bigger than I usually do for some reason... I draw bigger for the 24-hour comics challenge when you think I should just do what I'm most comfortable with. I usually draw like 9 by 12 because it's getting shrunk to, uh, to a mini-comic size, which is like 5.5 by 8.5 or whatever. So I'm, I'm drawing larger. I don't know why I do that because it makes me even more critical of my artwork. It's like it's, uh, I'm looking at it through a microscope, and I'm seeing all, this, all the fine details at that point as I'm drawing so much bigger. But I do it, and I did it again this year, and I don't know why. Because I knew I would do that, though, this year, I, I decided to ink with Sharpies. Think thick, chunky lines. Um, and because I was doing it that way, I was drawing in this different style, kind of a chibi or mini little, I call it, L-I apostrophe L style, where my characters are like in these little chibi forms, like you might see on Teen Titans Go when they have a little comedic aside or something like that. So anyway, in addition to just trying to bang out a 24-page comic, I'm adding all these experimental elements to it. Um, I wouldn't recommend that, (laughs) but it also contributes to if there's any challenge or ultimate failure in that I didn't complete it, I could always say, well, I had all these other variables involved, I don't know. Again, I don't know why I do that to myself, but I do... And uh, if you're to draw your own 24-hour comic, uh, if you've never done it before, I would not necessarily recommend it. However, it's just a day, and if you're intimidated by uh, some aspect of drawing or writing that you've never experienced before, it may be a good time to experiment because it is indeed just a day. If it doesn't work, well, okay, I only wasted 24 hours on it, as opposed to drawing out something over weeks of production time, and ultimately then it doesn't work, and you're like, well, I wasted weeks trying to do it this way, uh, whatever that way m- might be, maybe drawing or coloring digitally for the first time, instead of, uh, you know, looking at it as, as exercise or practice, you're trying to get a product out of it, and you ultimately feel like it's a, it's a failure, it falls short of your expectations, you know, you could look back and say, geez, yeah, whew, I wasted weeks, in this case it would only be a day, uh, you know, maybe I, I want to write... Uh, a poetry comic where all of the, the narrative, the dialogue, whatever, is in poetic form. Bang, bang that out in 24 hours. 
Um, I want to try digital collage. Whatever you want to do <laughs> that would be different from your regular uh, creative process or style, maybe try it during a 24-hour comics challenge. Be as crazy as I am, please. I need somebody else to be. Um, I always buy a lot of food, too. It's like I'm going camping or something. And, yeah, I'm doing it off-site, not at home. Um, and I am in one little plot of land, so to speak, like one would be when they're camping. I, so I just buy food. I buy, uh, of course, coffees, bottled frappuccinos. I uh, usually come with Twinkies. And then I always think I want, like, natural sugars, too, like fruit. So I got grapes this year. And good Lord, man, Ken was such a hospitable uh, host that he's bringing in ice cream and pizza. It's like such a delightful weekend. <laughs> he's like he's like treating me like a like I'm a party guest, and uh, in the meantime, I got all this food sitting in his fridge there in the store. What's interesting though is I usually don't eat, which is probably bad. But I I'm so into it that I'm not distracted by, and I don't really get like a hunger pang. I'm not hungry. I'm so into the work. I don't know if there's something chemical about that, if there's an adrenaline thing going on. You know, there was a moment where I was like, ooh, and I had a little bag of chips, again, brought to me by my friends uh, at TG Geeks. Um, they brought me some snacks. God, guys, thank you so much. Uh, there was just one moment, I think, around 10 a.m., which was my home stretch, uh, that I was like, ooh, I need to have a, a little something here. And I just had a bag of potato chips. And then when I came home, at the end of the whole thing, we, we had a big uh, kind of midday lunch. But yeah, I just don't get hungry. And I want to encourage you, if you're doing the 24-hour the challenge, either for the first time or if you have a similar issue when you do it, uh, maybe have a little bowl of something. If I had put the grapes in a bowl next to my drawing table, or on my drawing table next to the area I was drawing in, I probably would have popped a, a grape a little more often. And maybe that's the way to go. So when you're setting up your table, now, it, and here's the thing, when I'm drawing in the window of Drawn to Comics, I set up a six-foot table. I got Kyle on Skype coming in via laptop. Next to the laptop, I have the scanner because I'm scanning the pages right after I draw them and emailing to him, actually just dropping them into Skype. He receives them and starts coloring them. That's the process there. So I have a, a laptop, a scanner. I have a little thing I'm drawing on. It's an inclined light box or a little easel. Uh, and then next to that, I have a, uh, a tripod for my phone because I'm Facebook living and doing other things to promote the event. And then usually just some junk I've scattered around, little trinkets and, and whatnots to uh, amuse myself. I should have put a little bowl of grapes there. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is when you're setting up to draw, give yourself a lot of elbow room so you could do that kind of thing. Set up your drawing table if you're doing a little tabletop incline. Or if you're using an actual drafting table, next to it have an end table and put some snacks there that are just like pop, pop, just pop a grape in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Ken gave me a delicious slice of pizza from some joint down there in downtown Glendale. Um, and I love you, Ken. A very impractical offering, however, because now there's sauce. I got to wipe my hands, grease. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to eat, eat something quick, snacky, finger food, grapes, Beef jerky, maybe for protein. Uh, bananas to kind of plug yourself up so you don't have to take a big bathroom break. 
<laughs> what else helps with that? I don't know, peanut butter? Whatever it takes uh, to keep your body kind of in its regular cycle. So the only thing you're denying it is sleep. What's interesting now that I say this out loud is I realize I'm denying my body both sleep and food. And I probably shouldn't do that. I was drinking a lot of water, so that was never a problem. But, uh, yeah, have some snacks and give yourself some space, you know. So, if, again, I'm offering some sort of advice, like I'm in a position to do that. Attach a cause to your event. Give yourself some, some space. <laughs> um, you know, make sure you're emphasizing art and story so it's an enjoyable final product. My buddy Bertie that's done uh, this thing a couple of times uh, uh, often suggests that you spend the first hour or two not drawing at all but just outlining a story. I love that idea. The fact that I'm collaborating with Kyle and sending him pages in real time kind of prevents that because I want him to start very shortly after I do. He can't start, of course, till I get that first page to him. But if I were to spend even an hour or two just scripting, then he wouldn't have something. So I kind of took Bertie's advice in that I drew the first two, three pages, knowing how I wanted the story to start. Then I took a beat and really analyzed, okay, how is this, you know, when I write, it's a first act presents a problem. The second act kind of complicates the problem. The third act solves it. And this book really takes that pace. Every eight pages is a bit of a shift to get to the end. Um, I did that last year too, but in a different way. I made four six-page chapters, and that also helped with kind of a through line and theme. So that kind of uh, that kind of helped uh, pace myself, you know. And you and I didn't get bored with any one sequence because I knew if I were to get, if I was going to get bored with this, this chapter is almost over. So they were like uh, vignettes, uh, four distinct adventures, six pages a piece. Again, though, with a through line of theme. Uh, so that's a way you could help uh, manage your time. Now I'm kind of all over the place with this thing as far as uh, how I do the 24-hour comics challenge. It's scattered-brained as the, the day itself. Finally, of course, you got to start at a reasonable hour. Now here's a bit of a misnomer, a bit of a confession. I've described that I've done three of these things successfully. My first in 2015 was not truly my first. It was my first solo attempt, and truly solo. Kyle didn't help that year. Um, my first solo attempt, and my first uh, working on a series like Amazing Arizona Comics. Several years ago when I lived in California, my friend Brent, who is an amazing illustrator, you have to find his work on Instagram, Brent Ote, O-T-E-Y, Brent Ote, uh, Ote, as a lot of people say, O-T-E-Y, find his work, please, online, tell him Russ sent you, but... Uh, he and I attempted a 24-hour comics challenge where I would script and he would write. And, uh, and I would try to help ink, although I probably had very little experience inking at the time. I feel more confident now. But man, oh man, I think I totally butchered a panel or two. And I was like, all right, buddy, this is going right back to you. But uh, we decided, to, we tried it. We got about nine hours in. And you're thinking, nine hours? What a couple of pan... What a, come on, guys. That's the best you could do. We started at midnight. We started after being awake a full day and after Brent had, like, a concert that night. He played with his band for a couple hours. And it's not like he's a, hard, a hardcore rock and roller where he's, you know, doing a, a line and uh, taking shots of whiskey before he gets on stage. Brent's a very clean-living guy, but... Uh, 
you cannot we were so dumb you cannot start a 24-hour comics challenge after being awake a whole day you have to wake up and go to work do the thing then wake up and, and clock in like you're going to work after a fresh night's sleep part of my problem this year was i started a little later than i should have i started later than intended i wanted to start at one i started at 1 30 Probably should have started a little earlier, but Drawn to Comics doesn't even open till 11 or 12, so I needed time to set up. There was also a toy show going on in Glendale. My girlfriend had her mirror set up, Forever Etched Mirrors in Glass. Check them out. Check her out, I should say, on Facebook, Forever Etched Mirrors in Glass. Um, so I went to the toy show. I bought some He-Man bootleg action figures. Very cool. And then I kind of moseyed back to Drawn to Comics and started setting up then. So I started a little later, which might have explained my fatigue by the time this whole thing was over. Um, last two hours were kind of brutal, but I got through those pages. Um, yeah, start when you wake up. You know what I mean? That might mean the night before is when you set it. Well, depending on where you're doing it, you, that's when you set up your, your stuff. Theoretically, and I guess I should consider this for next year if I hit up Ken's again, I should go there Friday night, set up in the window, and put a sign that says, tomorrow... This is coming, or maybe even a few days beforehand. Tomorrow, this is coming to build some hype around it. Mm, interesting idea. Think about that for next year. But yeah, set up your stuff early. So when you wake up the next day, when you wake up the day you want to do this thing, you're in, it's all there waiting for you. Bowl your grapes, put them in the fridge, and then just put the bowl, take the bowl out <laughs> the next day. You know, refrigerate your fraps, all that stuff, man. I ran a few errands beforehand, then like I said, I went to the toy show, and I had a little momentum, and it contributed to some fatigue, perhaps, toward the end of this thing. But, um, yeah, give yourself that space, that creative, that time, that space and time to be... Uh, to be productive as much as you need the logistical physical space. Whew. So there we go. Year three done. It will be amazing. Arizona comics. Number 32. That will be this year's 24 hour comic. So number 14, uh, number 26, I think. And number uh, 32 will are my three 24 hour comics. I'll probably make a three pack out of them at this point and sell them together. And then individually, I guess, two bucks a piece if you really want them. But uh, when you see all three of them together, you'll kind of get an idea of my creative progression and evolution over the, or de-evolution, however you want to look at it, over the last three years. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Well, that's all I got to say about that right now. Coming up uh, in the near future for Amazing Arizona Comics, I will be at the Kamikaze Artists Alley. Uh, on the Saturday of San Diego Comic-Con in San Diego, July 22nd, look up Kamikaze Artists Alley. They're setting up like a satellite artist's alley adjacent to San Diego Comic-Con proper. And I'm really excited about this. I'm driving out there with my buddy Dave Deloso, the underscore Vasic, I think, I hope, the Vasic on uh, Instagram. God, another amazing artist. I know a lot of great artists, guys. <laughs> It's incredible, the friends I've made over the years, just drawing pictures. But uh, Dave and I are driving out there uh, the weekend of July 22nd, big San Diego Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con. 
a global event of massive proportions, pop culture extravaganza. Tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people converge on the Gaslamp District of San Diego to celebrate all things comics, movies, and entertainment. And we're going to be about four miles away. <laughs> uh, I- I'm excited about this thing because it's kind of got a guerrilla comic show feel to it, which, again, something I've tried to do here in Phoenix a couple times. And during one of the biggest, if not the biggest comic book event uh, of the year in the world, of course I've set up in San Diego several times in the convention itself. Um, It's been quite a few years since I've done that because the show's grown so big that it's practically impossible for a a little artist like me to, one, get a spot, two, make it financially uh, feasible and to be financially responsible, trying to book a room, organize the travel, eat, drink, be merry, buy comics while I'm there, let alone try to sell the comics I have while I'm there. The cost of the table is a couple hundred. So, you know, you're about $1,000 deep when you're there as an artist exhibiting. Thousands of dollars, possibly. And uh, it just doesn't make sense anymore, in my opinion, to do it the, the way I've done it in the past uh, with Brent, as I did. So much fun, the memories, but... Can't do it. Not gonna do it. Can't be. It's not prudent. Not prudent to do it. But there's this little thing going on adjacent to San Diego Comic Con that I'm super excited about being a part of, and we'll be there Saturday only. I loved that we could just pick one day if we wanted. We didn't have to commit to the whole four days. Another unique aspect to this thing, organized by that comic book store, Comic Kazi. Comic Kazi. Find them online in San Diego. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be there with Amazing Arizona Comics, Karaoke Comics, my fanzine, Far and We, poetry, chapbooks, whatever else I come up with between now and then. This issue will be there, number 32, the one I'm talking about, the 24-hour comics, so you could find that. Um, yeah, so that's what's coming up in the near future for Amazing Arizona Comics. July 22nd will be in San Diego. And then, of course, August 28th, is Jack, the king of comics, Kirby's birthday. He would have been 100 years old this year. 100 years old. Um, So we're going to celebrate that in a very unique way, and hopefully I'll record another one of these amazing Arizona Comics radio episodes between now and then, because I'm really excited about what's shaping up for that uh, extravaganza. We've done a few things the past two years, one being a poetry open mic that ended with a Drawing tutorial by Steve Rude, amazing local artist, uh, industry legend Steve Rude. Um, And then last year we did a a live reading of a New Gods issue, followed by a signing with comics inker and writer Dave Beatty, uh, and then a little mixer over at the Barcade bonus round. So we've done some cool stuff here in Phoenix, man. And this year I hope will be the one that takes the cake, the birthday cake, Kirby's 100th birthday. It's going, to be, it's going to be amazing. So keep your eyes on Facebook for that. You could follow me. You could follow the Phoenix Tonight page. Find me, Russ Kazmierzak. I should start an Amazing Arizona Comics page, but it's only going to tell me to boost my posts by throwing money at Facebook, right? That's all it's going to do. My same old, same old friends will see the posts as they would normally on my own feed anyway. But it would be nice to tell strangers to just follow me at Amazing Arizona Comics on Facebook. Go to AmazingArizonaComics.com. Dot com. Not dot net, not dot org, not dot biz, not dot gov.com. 
to order comics, find out what I'm doing. I posted my 10 favorite things about Phoenix Comic-Con most recently, so you could find those things there. And follow me on Instagram, of course, at AmazingAZComics. AmazingAZComics. I post all sorts of stupid stuff there. Glimpses of the comic and selfies of me eating, drawing, doing karaoke. A lot of clips of me doing karaoke. So find that there. Probably one of the more indulgent podcasts you've ever listened to, right? It's a self-indulgent podcast where I'm just talking about me and the things I do. But isn't that what podcasting is? Isn't that what podcasting is all about? This is Amazing Arizona Comics Radio. Why you punish me?